the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Caregiver SOS On Air, presented by the WellMed Charitable Foundation with nationally known gerontologist Carol Zernio and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron. This program provides health, wellness, and other information for caregivers who are vital to the health and well-being of so many people across our country. Now, here are your hosts, Ron Aaron and Carol Zernio. Well, thank you so much for joining us on Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron, our co-host Carol Zerniel on special assignment today. So it is me and our very special guest. You've heard him before here on Caregiver SOS on air, Dr. Barry Jacobs. Barry is a Philadelphia area clinical psychologist, a healthcare consultant, and the co-author of AARP Meditations for Caregivers. He also writes a monthly self-help column for family caregivers on AARP.org. He's a frequent guest on this program as well as the caregiver teleconnection. And an article that he penned, Living in a Parent's Home Can Complicate Caregiving, caught my attention. And our uh, uh, producer, Christy Romero, was able to track him down, and he is with us today. Barry, thanks for joining us. Hey, Ron, it's always a pleasure to join you. It's always good to talk to you and your audience. Your your article on living in a parent's home is interesting because it turns out not to be uncommon. Uh, it's not uncommon. I mean, it's not uncommon uh, for a parent and an adult child to live together uh, at, at a point in the parent's life when they really need more support. So sometimes uh, the parent moves into the adult child's home. Um, and and, and, and that's, that's a little different situation. When it's the adult child's home, the adult child usually has a little bit more latitude about what's done in the home. But when the adult child moves into the parent's home, they feel very constrained in, in whether they can change the decor, whether they can add kind of safety features like grab bars or a stair glide. They feel like they're on their parents' turf and they, they have to tiptoe around on that parents' turf for fear of, of really insulting the parent or, or, or harming their dignity in some way. And most of the time, parents are very sensitive to having an adult child come in and want to take over the house. So they, 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 uh, there, there, can, there can be some tension between that parent and that adult child. In fact, you start the article talking about uh, a woman who moves in with her mother who has Parkinson's uh, and sees the need for grab bars and stair glides and, and what have you. And the mother said no. Uh, not unusual. I mean, so uh, so let's, let's, let's just consider what Parkinson's uh, disease does to somebody. Uh, the, the most important thing it does is cause a, a, a disruption of their movements. It causes their hands to shake, and it often causes them to have a, a, a very poor balance. And so pe- people with Parkinson's are um, unfortunately very prone to falling, and falling is, is you know, often leads to, to other injuries like breaking bones. So it makes sense that someone would who had Parkinson's disease would want to use every seat, safety feature possible to remain safely in their home, but... Oftentimes, people feel the intrusion of a, of a stair glide or the intrusion of, of grab bars 
and and they don't want to be reminded by by these intrusions that that they have this disease. So instead, they make believe that they can still get around, and and they uh, they unfortunately put themselves in harm's way. So then the adult child comes in and, and the adult child sees that the parent is putting herself at risk and the adult child wants to put, put in those precautions and then, and then an argument uh, commences. And one of the things you point out, uh, and it's really important, is have a before you move in talk. Uh, absolutely. I mean, I, I would say whether it be the adult child moving in with a parent or the parent moving in with the adult child, there should always be a conversation uh, before the, the, the move takes place uh, about what, what this change is going to be like for both of them and maybe to establish some ground rules and maybe to establish the need for ongoing communication. Um, you know, often an adult child and a parent haven't lived together uh, in the same household for decades. And uh, there's just the, the, the adjustment that one or the other and probably both of them have to make when they're suddenly under the same roof. And uh, if an adult child is going to come in and, and want to do her best to, to help a parent, she's also going to want, want to feel that that parent is trying to do her best to help herself. And if the adult child feels like she's she's moving in to help the parent, the parent is not helping herself, then, then there's going to be a conflict. So to try to establish all this beforehand often heads off uh, arguments later on. Does it help to have a care manager facilitate that conversation? Yes, it does, uh, because um, a care manager can play uh, a kind of a neutral role and, and and try to help both the parent and the adult child see what will enable that parent to, 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 to live the way they want to live. And the way they want to live is in their own home. They don't want to have to go to a, a facility necessarily. They don't want to have to go to the, live in the, the, the adult child's home. They, they, they want to remain in their own home. This may be the home they've been in for a long time. So in order to remain in their own home, it has to be done safely. If it's not done safely, then then they stand the chance of falling and, and not being able to, to get up and down the stairs anymore, for instance. So the addition of grab bars, the addition of a stair glide and other safety features, uh, as proposed by a care manager, may make the, the, the parent understand that this is for the good of, of, of having her, enabling her to live the way she wants to live under the same roof she's been in for many years. What would be helpful for some folks is to have a checklist of the kinds of issues uh, that you need to talk about and sort out. I was thinking, for example, you point out uh, that uh, the couple, the woman in the beginning of your article, uh, saw the need for a ramp uh, to help her mother get in and out of the home. Mother didn't want it. She didn't want neighbors to know that she couldn't walk as well. And, and so she resisted it. Sometimes it's it's a matter of pride that a parent might not want neighbors to know that they need this assistive device, you know, a front door ramp. Sometimes it's a matter of, of aesthetics. They think that a ramp is an eyesore and they've always taken great pride in the way their home looks. Uh, and this would be true for the ramp outside. It would be true for, say, the stair glide inside. I just had this conversation last Friday with a woman in her late 80s who has very poor balance and has had multiple falls. And, and we talked about a stair glide, and she said, absolutely not. She doesn't want her home that she's taken pride in for 50 years to look different, to look like it, like a, you know, she she would consider that kind of a, 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 almost like a, an institutional setting, having this piece of equipment in her home. So she'd rather fall down the stairs and break her neck. Uh, I mean, but, you know, she'd rather take the chance that, <laughs> right. that she's not going to fall down the stairs and break her neck. 
Um, but the fact is she's had, has had two very serious falls with mm. hospitalizations thus far. So an adult child and a parent need to have a serious conversation about this. And, and if the parent can accept some of those environmental changes that, that an adult child or a care manager might suggest, it would allow that parent to, to live the way they want to live in their own home. Other things that often come up are, are kind of health, health, you know, healthy lifestyle issues like what's the parent eating? What are they drinking? Um, you know, how, how, how much are they staying in bed? How much exercise they're getting? Uh, the adult child will hear what the doctor wants, will hear what the physical therapy wants, may feel inclined to try to, um, encourage the parent to, 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 you know, eat, eat better food, maybe not, uh, maybe drink more water. I mean, another uh, reason that, uh, older adults sometimes fall is because they're, they're dehydrated because they're not drinking enough water. So an adult child may be encouraging the parent, please drink water, please drink water. And the adult, the, the parent's basically saying, leave me alone. I hate water. Or I don't want to drink any more water, even though it puts the, that parent at some risk of being dehydrated. And once they're dehydrated, at risk of falling. Now, hold that thought and come right back to you. But I want to let folks know who may have just joined us. You're listening to Caregiver SOS on air. I'm Ron Aaron. Carol Zernell, our co-host on special assignment today. I'm talking with Dr. Barry Jacobs. He is a a psychologist in the Philadelphia area, and we're talking about the kind of issues that come up uh, when a child moves in with a parent and the child then becomes uh, the caregiver. It's a uh, uh, done for all the right reasons, but fraught with potential for conflict. And, and as you were pointing out, Dr. Jacobs, for the child moving in, all the right reasons, wanting to help mom, is it difficult for them to understand why the parent is resistant to what they want to do. I, I think it, they they often understand that a parent wants to live their lives the way they want to live it. And the, and the adult child often wants to help that parent uh, live, live the way they want to live. But, and it's a big but, if the adult child sees that the parent is already falling or sees that the parent is not drinking enough water or sees that the parent is not bathing, you know, more than once a week or not bathing at all or not changing her clothes, that adult child is going to grow concerned. And and what happens then for that adult child is they, they say to themselves, you know, am I doing harm by by not stepping in and being more more forceful with with my my parent, and they then the, the adult child's in a quandary. How much do I push? How much do I not push? And different adult children will will uh, will take different uh, positions on that. Um, but you know what I, I when I you know I took care of my mom uh, during her seven years of dementia. She didn't live with me. I didn't live with her. So the situation was a little different. But something that always went through my mind was I didn't want my mom to fall unnecessarily or, or have a health problem unnecessarily on my watch. And I would say to my mom, I, I want you to have a home health aid here. I want you to have grab bars. I want you to use your walker, even if you don't want to, because I don't want you to fall on my watch. Because if it's on my watch, then I feel guilty that I'm do- not doing enough to keep you safe. And that's Was that persuasive? Job. You know, it was <laughs> funny, <laughs> funny you should ask, Ron, because... um my mother and I had always had a relationship where she basically, she and I basically disagreed on almost everything. So she would, she very easily disagree with me. However, when my wife would say exactly the same thing that I said, my mother would listen to my wife ah. and, and, and she would defer to my wife's judgment. And then my mother would use her walker and she would have home health aids and she would use the grab bars in her shower. And that worked much better. So your wife was the tool to make it happen. 
Well, my wife was seen as a more neutral party, and my my wife has a kind of sweeter, kinder disposition than I do. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm too ornery, and uh, so my wife my wife was more persuasive than, than I was. And um, you know, my mom didn't want to make my wife upset. She didn't, but she had no qualms about making me upset. Now, I threw out the term care manager before because they are a neutral party. Uh, but folks listening may be wondering, well, how do I find one? Where do I get one? Well, so there are care managers in lots of different uh, parts of our healthcare system. So, for instance, you know, in, in every community, there's what's called an area agency on aging. Uh, and uh, you can find that uh, uh, through eldercare.gov. Um, and the uh, area agency on aging has care managers that will help in situations like this. Most uh, health systems uh, have have care managers that are available. Care managers are usually either a social worker or nurse that that is very skilled in helping figure out what the right care is and in talking with people and talking with families. So, for instance, if you talk to your primary care provider and said, "Hey, I could use a a care manager to help us figure this out," then then that that uh, that the physician or, or a nurse practitioner would, would help get get a care manager for you. All right, stay with us. We're going to talk more about this. You're listening to Caregiver SOS on air. I'm Ron Aaron. Our special guest is Barry Jacobs. He's a Philadelphia area clinical psychologist, a healthcare consultant. And we were talking about uh, the dynamics when a youngster, no longer a youngster, uh, when a sibling moves in with their parent uh, because the parent needs a caregiver and needs some assistance. How do you facilitate that? How do you make it work? And we'll talk more about that in just a minute. You're listening to Caregiver SOS on air. The WellMed Charitable Foundation would like to remind you it is important to stay connected while social distancing. Caregiver stress may be higher now, and specialists are available to talk with. There's no question that we are living in not normal times, but whether the new normal will be the old normal is yet to be seen. So if you are troubled, if you are feeling stressed, Ask for help. Services are provided at no cost. See more at caregiversos.org. Hello, friend. We're so pleased you were staying with us right here on Caregiver SOS on Air. I'm Ron Aaron. We're talking with Barry Jacobs. Dr. Jacobs is a Philadelphia area clinical psychologist, and we're talking about his article, Living in a Parent's Home Can Complicate Caregiving. And we've talked about the best of all worlds, setting out the parameters before you begin to live there. What about making that home the battleground, Barry? Well, um, you know, sometimes when an older adult, uh, the parent in this situation is suffering from a disease, Uh, a disease could be dementia, it could be Parkinson's disease, it could be uh, diabetic, di- complications of diabetes, um, and they feel that they don't have the physical or, or possibly cognitive function that, that they had, um, it's very hard for them to accept the way they've been changed by by those diseases. And rather than kind of grieve what they've lost because of of their, you know, their, the, the disease and, and feeling like they have no control over the disease, they then kind of double down on trying to, to maintain control over other parts of their life. And one of the main parts of their life that they feel uh, a real sense of uh, propriety about uh, is their home. And so 
if anybody, if like an adult child is telling them to, to change any aspect of their home, it, it, it could be, as we were talking about, putting in environmental supports and safety measures like grab bars, or it could be that, that an adult child wants to change a painting on the wall and the parent could absolutely insist, absolutely not, we're not going to, you're not, this is my home, you're not going to change anything in my home. And so the parent kind of exerts control over the home that they don't have over the disease or, or, or about how they're being impacted by the disease. And then that, that unfortunately can, can lead to, to, uh, the, the, the state of the home becoming the kind of the flashpoint or the, the, the lightning rod or the battleground, whatever, whatever term you want to use. But, uh, change, you know, the adult child wanting to make some small or big changes in that home and the parents saying, absolutely not. This is my home. This is my life. I get to decide. You can't, you can't change uh, a, a napkin in the home. I'm, I'm in charge. Yeah. And it so, really does come down to that, right? It, it really does. I mean, uh, you know, it, in, in a parent who is concerned, like that, if they let the child change anything, then, then it's, it's like as if they're giving up the entirety of their, their lives, that they, they lose all independence and, and all right to make their own decisions. And so they hold fast to, 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 to making no changes whatsoever, which is not practical. And it's not, it, 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 it means that they're not taking into account that, that, that they're changing, that their, their functional needs are changing, that the way they walk is changing the way that you know how they eat is changing and it, it's not taking into account that changes might be good for them instead they're they're trying to hold on to control just for the sake of holding on to control it's interesting because even when the parent moves into the child's home uh, there are conflicts i can remember when my mom was uh, aging still mobile still got around never had dementia but when she came and visited and stayed with me uh, we had similar kinds of dynamics. Gee, Ronnie, why don't you do X? Or, you know, have you thought about this? Uh, and it can c- create conflict. Uh, yes, it does. I mean, I, and I, I think parents are a little uh, more constrained in, in insisting on something if they're in the child's home. They, they realize that, that the child has some right over, over what goes on in their home. Um, but I, you know, my mom and stepfather, uh, stayed with me for, uh, weeks and months at a time at various points. And the same sort of thing happened. My mom would not tell me about, uh, what I could or couldn't do with, uh, the, the rest of the house, but the room in the, ha- the bedroom in the house where she was staying, she didn't want me, you know, that was her territory now. Right. I wasn't allowed to, to have any say over, over what was going on in there. Otherwise she would really bristle. How did you deal with it? Um, mostly, you know, if it wasn't really a matter of dire safety, um, then I, I deferred to her. I, I mean, it wasn't as if I wanted to take control of her life from her. I wanted her to have control of her life and for as much of her, of her life as was, was safe. But I also didn't want her to exert control in a manner that was going to put, put her at risk. So, um, you know, a, a, a very typical argument that my mom had, whether she was in my house or we were in her apartment, is is the use of the walker she hated using her walker but without the walker my mother was was very uh prone to falling and if she fell and she hurt herself then we were going to go spend you know four hours in the emergency room i didn't want to spend four hours in the emergency room and i didn't want her to get hurt and so i would be very insistent that she use her walker and that that often became a point of argument with us and Um, walkers are an interesting tool. They're very effective. But when I had knee replacement surgery, uh, at first, I didn't want to use a walker because I thought it made me look uh, like I was disabled. 
And, and uh, then you know what I discovered? They helped me walk. They, they, they do help you walk. They help with the stability of walking. They're uh, incredibly important for walking further and, and, and walking more safely. But they're, they're not exactly a fashion accessory, right? People don't like them. I, I, I mentioned that I have a, a client now who's in her, uh, late eighties. Late eighties. Yeah. And she, uh, she, she uses a cane. A cane seems more dignified to her. She really needs to use a walker, but she'll, her words, and she said this to me multiple times. She'll say, not on my, not on your life. I'm not <laughs> using a walker. I'm not looking like a little old lady on a walker. And it does come to, uh, personal self-esteem. It comes to personal self-esteem and pride and, um, and just a sense of, 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 of personal identity. You know, people, even when they are not who they were when they were 40 years old, they still like to think of themselves as being that vibrant and, um, uh, uh, and, and forceful person when they, they don't, they lack the, the, uh, the energy, they lack the, the, the physical functioning to really be who, all who they were. So it, it, it's become a, it's really an issue of can they gra- age gracefully or not? And people who refuse to use walkers, refuse to use grab bars, um, don't want folks to come into their home to help them. They, they, it's, it's almost as if they're basically saying, I don't want to get older. I don't want to have Parkinson's disease. I don't want to have another disease. I'm going to kind of defy, uh, I'm going to defy fate. I'm going to just spit in its eye by saying, I'm not having anything to do with any of that. And that's, it, it, that, that has ramifications for the older adult. It also has ramifications for other family members who have responsibility for caring for that person. And when the parent, the parent puts the, herself at risk, it also has implications for the adult child who, who, who cares a lot about that parent and wants to care for them. And that, and that's where the tension lies. Now, for the child, the adult child, uh, who sees that their parent needs help, who wants to either have them live with them or move in with that parent, h- how do you broach that topic uh, and how do you facilitate it? Because uh, it's not necessarily something the parent will welcome. No. So you you broach it very gingerly and, and with a lot of love and caring and more than once. And this is not one conversation. It's usually a series of conversations. Um, but basically saying to the parent, you know, how, how do you want to spend the rest of your life? I mean, do you, do you, you know, would it be, would you feel more comfortable, uh, living in a, uh, in a nursing home or assisted living facility at some point? Do you want to remain in your home? Do you want to remain in my home? You come into my home. You know, you have these options. If you want to remain in your home, how do we, how do we figure out a way for you to do that safely? And maybe one, one way to, to help you do that continue living in your home that you've lived in for 50 years is, is, is I, or maybe my siblings move in with you and that we, we just simply provide you with support so you can, can live the way you want to live. Um, and so that's a conversation that, uh, takes place usually over, over months or even years before a parent and a child come to that agreement. And you have families, uh, where there were never those kinds of conversations and all of a sudden you have to do it. There, there are times when a adult child lives halfway across a country and says, I think, you know, let, let, you know, I'm going to come live with you. And then they, uh, the parent agrees to that, but it's, it's a real displacement of the adult child's life. And they are, they're now living in the parent's home in a community that they may not know very well and are trying to figure out. Or uh, even more difficult is when the parent moves halfway across the country to live in the, 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 the adult child's home. 
doesn't, you know, is, is now separated from friends, separated from the familiarity of the, of the community, the stores, the, the whole, uh, maybe even the weather that they had where they lived before. And they're trying to adjust to living in, in the adult child's home. It just feels like a, they just feel like a stranger uh, in the adult child's home and in that community. How common is it uh, for a sibling uh, for a child to move into a parent's home? I know in my own family, my uh, sister-in-law lives uh, with my mother-in-law. She and her husband and her little boy moved in with them. Uh, with my mother-in-law, uh, who, who is still fairly independent, but beginning to need help. So I've seen it on, on from our own family standpoint. Is it common? So I don't have statistics to cite for you, but but I, I can tell you, Ron, that particularly since the pandemic, uh, when many older adults moved out of assisted living facilities or, or skilled nursing facilities, moving moved into an adult child's home, it's, it is more common. It's also more common for uh, particularly younger adults, those in their 20s and 30s who may be having trouble financially to, to move into a parent's home. So it is more common. Uh, I have a number of psychotherapy clients uh, for whom this is an issue. Uh, and, and this is, a, this is a, 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 I think, something that more American families are, are dealing with, trying to find ways of helping one another, but to do it with, with, with a tremendous amount of empathy and uh, communication um, and uh, and just uh, you know regard for one another's feelings and, and concerns, but also ensuring safety. That that you know, it's no point in, in saving pride if if one is going to fall on one's face and get really hurt. Well, what are some of the issues your patients bring up with you about that relationship? I mean, sometimes people will bring up the, the issue that you know I, I I love my parent, but I don't like the way they're acting right now because they're acting uh, you know very uh, begrudgingly. They they don't seem they don't seem uh, you know, thankful that I'm there helping them. They 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 seem to resent my presence, and, and then that the adult child in turn resents the the parents wow. toward them. That comes up a lot. Sometimes I talk with with uh, the the older adult uh, who feels like their their child is trying to take over, that they're being you know a little a little bit too uh, forthright in in their opinions about how things right. should be done. Well, Barry, so, I got to I got to stop you right there. We are flat out of time. It's a fascinating topic. I'm glad you wrote about it, and I'm glad you came on with us. Barry Jacobs, Philadelphia clinical psychologist. I'm Ron Aaron. Thanks for joining us on Caregiver SOS On Air. Executive producers for Caregiver SOS On Air are Carol Zerniel and Ron Aaron. Our associate producer is Christy Romero. I'm Ron Aaron. We'll see you next week on Caregiver SOS On Air. You've been listening to Caregiver SOS On Air, an exclusive presentation of the WellMed Charitable Foundation. We welcome emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. Join co-hosts Carol Zerniel and Ron Aaron next week for more on caregiving, improving the health and well-being of caregivers and their care recipients everywhere. For more on caregiving and podcasts of our programs, visit caregiversos.org. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.